The Chet Kavik Podcast Network. Welcome to Sports Cars, a podcast where a Chicago sports broadcasting pioneer and a national legal expert get into the legal goings of sports. And now your hosts, Chet Kavik and Lester Munson. Wow, Tigers, son of a gun. Was it a left hook, an overhand right, or a two-iron? <laughs> Welcome to uh, Sports Corp with my good friend, uh, ESPN legal expert, Lester Munson. I'm Chet Kopic. All right, uh, first of all, Lester, uh, we've heard the uh, release from the uh, Tiger Woods camp, which I found to be about uh, uh, as sincere as your average uh, car dealer on Western Avenue is saying, don't worry, this baby has 135,000 miles, but you'll think you're driving a Corvette. <laughs> yeah. Right. The statements that he has made, Chet, are unbelievable. The the first one was obviously written by a team of lawyers. Now the abject apology for the cocktail waitress in Las Vegas, that was written by I'm not sure who wrote that, but they did not do a great job on it. Remember when Bill Clinton got caught, he said, I have caused pain in my family. <laughs> Couldn't they just go back and say that? I mean, that that worked for Clinton. Maybe it worked for Tiger Woods. Did you ever think that there would be a time? When Kobe Bryant, I mean, think about Colorado and think about, you know, sexual assault. Did you ever visualize you would see a time where an athlete of the stature of Kobe Bryant could all of a sudden look good in an apology uh, uh, perspective compared to Tiger Woods? Kobe Bryant, after he was arrested within 48 hours, was at that press conference with his wife sitting beside him. He admitted something bad had happened. He claimed it was consensual sex. All of that worked. It was the beginning of a masterpiece of spinning that situation, a very bad situation, into what became a very good outcome for Kobe Bryant. Now, you told me, and I recall this, that the evidence against Kobe Bryant was so significant, it was so tangible, so real, you could just practically reach out and taste it, that in fact there was less evidence on Mike Tyson and he wound up in the joint. If you compare what the police had in Eagle, Colorado with what Greg Garrison and his team had in Indianapolis against Mike Tyson, there's no doubt in my mind that Kobe Bryant had uh, was more guilty than Mike Tyson ever was. There's no question also in my mind Tyson was guilty. Garrison proved that in court. But Bryant and his lawyers did a brilliant job of roughing up the prosecutor, of wearing them out, of getting favorable rulings from a couple of judges so that they were able to walk away from a case in which he was genuinely caught with a hot stove and was facing 12 to 18 years in jail. I mean, he is a very fortunate young when, man. When this, when this went down, in Eagle, Colorado. Didn't you basically think it's a slam dunk? Brian's going to wind up in the orange jumpsuit. I had no doubt about it. And, and the, I spent, I can't tell you how many weeks out there working on that. And the more I looked into it, the more I knew he was guilty. The other problem, though, was the prosecutor was not a capable prosecutor. He really was a full-time skier. He would leave at <laughs> 11 o'clock every morning and go to the slopes. He had no interest in winning that case. He did not do the work you need to do as a prosecutor. If Greg Garrison, the guy who convicted Tyson, had been prosecuting Kobe Bryant, he would be in medium security in Colorado right now as we are talking. Why would any prosecutor, I mean, so help me Clarence Darrow for heaven's sakes, why wouldn't any prosecutor drop whatever you're doing, even if you're in love with Aspen, 
when you have a chance to convict an, an international, a global celebrity like Kobe Bryant, why, why wouldn't you work 19-hour days to get the job done? I wish I could explain that. The guy would never talk to any of us who were reporting on the story. His name is Hurlbert. Uh, to this day, all I can tell you about him is he went to Dartmouth. He's not too smart. He doesn't work very hard, but he happens to be almost a world-class skier. So that's his life. He's there to ski, and the county pays him a salary to be a part-time prosecutor. Lester, that tells me the obvious. He'd be a very logical guy to replace Todd Strozier as president of the Cook County Board. <laughs> he would fit right in here in Chicago. He would be perfect. perfect. You know, in the uh, in the case of uh, of Tiger Woods, if you were to offer Woods advice right now, because obviously Faye is one of the apologies from my perspective. Uh, my my ex suppose are telling me the American public is not only not accepting Tiger Woods' apology, the American public right now is furious about the apology. Because, when, I mean, it, any three-year-old can see right through this thing. What would you advise Tiger Woods to do right now? If I were advising Tiger Woods, I would show him Bill and Hillary Clinton on 60 Minutes, in which Bill Clinton apologized for his misconduct. Then I would show him the Kobe Bryant press conference with Vanessa, in which he apologized for his conduct. And then you would say, where can we go here in Orlando and find a room large enough for 800 media who will come and have and have Tiger Woods and Elon sitting there together trying to apologize for what has happened. Now, the question is, what about Elon? <laughs> Uh, you got to have her at the press conference. If you can't persuade her to come to the press conference, remember the diamond and the Mercedes-Benz and the Kobe Bryant oh, situation? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. The diamond weighed about a pound. <laughs> <laughs> so there has to be a way to convince Elon to come to the press conference and at least sit there and look good, which in her case is very easy. So he, he's got to do something, and he's got to do it fast. And, Chet, I don't think he's going to do it. No, I, I, I doubt he will. In fact, Lester, I suggested earlier, if I were Tiger... Forget about Orlando. Go to New York. I mean, you know, face the mob face the mob squad head on. Face the New York Post. Face the New York Times. Do it in New York. You gotta have Elon by your side. Even if she's growling and speaking in Swedish, you gotta have <laughs> Elon by your side. Elon right now could solve the entire issue. If Elon went public and said, right. I forgive Tiger, listen, I understand that my husband is a very charismatic man. He's frequently on the road. I forgive him. I hope the American public will. He'd walk out as man of the year. But as we as things are, are, are standing right now, my CNN exit polls are telling me that <laughs> Elon would rather Elon would rather cut his genitals off than, yeah. than do anything to help uh, her husband. Yeah. I, I think they probably have a problem with her. We'll see if they can solve it. Maybe going to New York might be a better idea than Orlando, but he's got to do something. And for now, 10 years, Woods has treated all of us in the media with scorn and contempt. All of this is now coming back to haunt him. Uh, there have been people writing negative columns about him uh, that you never could have anticipated uh, even three or four weeks ago. So he's he, he has no reservoir of goodwill with us in the media. He does, however, with the consuming public. And if he did make an apology, I think the endorsements would be safe. I'm not sure he would get any new ones, but the endorsements would be safe, and he could go to a tournament in January and maybe have a semi-normal couple of days. Lester, in my opinion, uh, with his own golf tournament this weekend, Tiger... Tiger should make an appearance. He's going to be dealing with friendly commentators. Tiger could could manufacture a very, very simple 
apology. But he's, if he did it on national television at his own golf tournament, even if he has a couple of facial scars from where Elon's, uh, you know, <laughs> fingernails uh, became lethal weapons. Once again, I mean, it, it goes back to it goes back to Pete Rose, and you and I have talked about this a hundred times. If Rose, after he got nailed by Bartlett Giamatti, would have said, "I respect Mr. Giamatti's decision. Yes, I gambled. I was so wrong. I'm embarrassed. I'm humiliated." I hope the American public will give me a chance to to rebuild Pete Rose. It's going to take time, but I hope you'll give me a chance to regain your respect. If Tiger would simply echo those words, he's off the hook. I don't have any doubt about it, and I think most people who follow golf, most people who follow sports would forgive him in about 30 seconds if he just said a couple of those things. There's no question about it. Even if there were some more revelations coming which there probably will be even with that he has he is tiger woods he's the most recognizable athlete on the planet people love watching him play he is the best who ever played the game he's got all that going for him and yes i think uh the uh, global kind of public would forgive him you know it um it amazes me that i talked to a guy this morning who went i i thought tiger was so 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 pure he seemed so happy in his marriage i went Hello, look at his smile. Look at his charisma. Look at his bank account, for heaven's sakes. The guy has women throwing themselves at him. I mean, doesn't it stand to reason that somewhere along the way, you know, Tiger might uh, might fall off the wagon? Yeah. It... Uh I think anybody who has covered a golf tournament, anybody who has ever worked anywhere near the PGA Tour, you know that oh, certain things oh. are happening out there. Here's one. Keep Arnold Palmer for oh. years. I mean, it was a joke for heaven's sakes. The, uh, when I was at Duke working on the lacrosse team rape allegations, everybody at Duke would say, okay, those lacrosse players, they party hard, they're animals, but the guys you got to watch are the golfers. <laughs> <laughs> Even at college age, they're already out there. <laughs> you know, um, people ask me about, uh, about Phil Knight and Nike and Tiger Woods. First of all, Nike doesn't want to get rid of Tiger Woods at all. And number two, Lester, as you know, their investment is so big in Tiger Woods that even if they wanted to junk Tiger right now, they can't do it. The bean counters wouldn't allow them. There's no way they can do it. The entire golf division of Nike is based on Tiger Woods. It always has been. There wasn't much in the way of golf there until he came along. He wears those those swoops everywhere he goes. He went to the Stanford football game. Did you see that? Family yeah. outing. And he's got a Nike hat that says Stanford. He probably had to call Oregon to get some of those sent over so he could wear the right thing uh, at the game. Guess what? They would. They probably sent Phil Knight to hand them to him personally outside hey, the stadium. My friend, uh, the National Football League right now, this is uh, quiet. It's percolating. Eventually it's going to reach uh, the boiling point. You tell me where the National Football League and the players might be after the 2010 football season. This is a very interesting question, and there's going to be some big surprises between now and then. If the National Football League wins the case in the United States Supreme Court, then we're in a whole new ballpark. All the rules are gone. New rules will come in their place, and the NFL and the owners can do anything they want. On top of that, it will be an uncapped year. That means that there's no maximum amount you can spend on salary, so maybe one or two owners will spend some big money. But more importantly, the, the minimum 
salary will be eliminated so that a thrifty team does not have to spend the $86 million on payroll it was required to spend this year. They could drop $30 million, let's say San Diego, Chicago, Cincinnati, uh, teams like that, maybe even the Patriots, could drop below the minimum, and we're going to see a whole different National Football League. So would you advise the NFLPA right now to contact Roger Goodell and say, listen, you win this round. Drop what you're doing with the Supreme Court, and we will accept any viable offer you give us to sign a brand-new CBA. That would be a very good thing for the union to do. If if that was possible, they should do it. I am not sure now that even the National Football League can stop the U.S. Supreme Court. It is in there uh, for consideration. All the briefs are filed. There's one more coming in in about a week. But that case is going to proceed. They can agree to ignore the outcome. That much is for sure. So they'd have to, it'd be a very complicated agreement. They could say uh, exactly as you say, Chet, let's do something now and avoid these enormous uncertainties that are on the horizon. Who is the, uh, the, the guy, the man within the structure of the, uh, of the NFLPA who has, uh, who has infuriated the NFL to the point that they would uh, take this case in front of the Supreme Court? I'm not sure it's one particular guy. It certainly was not Upshaw. I don't think it's the new guy, DeMarie Smith. I think the NFL, uh, owners in the NFL, as you and I know, Chet, think in a certain way. When they saw the population of judges on the Supreme Court and they saw they had a chance to do something that would be their ultimate dream in mm-hmm. an antitrust case, they just decided to do it. It was not so much punishing the union for anything. It it was just their own avarice and their own greed taking over. They knew they could hurt, they could reduce player salaries, they could put in a salary cap for coaches, they could put in pay scales for everybody, and they just couldn't resist that temptation. Think uh, Think about football from this perspective. You talk about players. How about coaches? The defensive coordinator at Texas. I mean, if you would have told me this 10 years ago, I would have said you're you're on crack, for heaven's sakes. The defensive coordinator at Texas makes 900000 a year. <laughs> it's amazing. Probably the chief of the hospital at the University of Texas Medical School, who's responsible for 600 doctors, he probably makes less money than the defensive coordinator. That's how, and, and the president, of course, makes less money than the dean of the medical school. So the college <laughs> salaries... Uh, if you want to be the president of the University of Texas, what do you do? I think you go to the football coach and ask for the job. I think that's how it works. <laughs> There's a pecking order here, and the president is number four. If you were um, if you were Notre Dame right now, with uh, all the heavy baggage that uh, Charlie Weiss brought to your uh, table, a 35 and 27 record, unacceptable, but above and beyond that, uh, belligerent, mean spirited with the alumni. With major contributors, I mean, I mean, Weiss did a lot of internal damage to Notre Dame. Contributions uh, went down, uh, even though Notre Dame's endowment, as you know, is enough to save about right. two dozen third world countries. <laughs> How vital is it, in your opinion, for Notre Dame to hire a coach right now who's got a legitimate sense of public relations value? Uh, 
Uh, that's that should be the only criterion they're going to use. They need somebody who can repair all this damage. If he can coach, that would be a bonus. But they really need to go back to being Notre Dame instead of trying to protect this guy, who probably, when you line up uh, obnoxious coaches, he's in the top five. Oh, top five without question. Yeah. Lester, before we wrap it up, I want to go back to uh, to Tiger Woods once again. Um, does it bother you in any way from a, from a legal perspective that Tiger was able to uh, dictate to the uh, heat down in Orlando when he would speak? I am very disturbed by that. The Florida Highway Patrol is the police agency that had this case. For some reason, they wanted nothing to do with a real investigation. It's another one of these situations where an otherwise good police department encounters a sports celebrity and they just fall to pieces. We've seen this happen many times, and it happened again. Uh, there's no question there should have been more of an investigation. There is likely some domestic violence here. There's some lying to the police here. There's all sorts of violations. But they decided this is careless driving, nothing else, and now there's nothing anybody can do about it. They brought the thing, the legal side of it to an end. I don't think they were necessarily bought. I think that they were uh, urged, given the uh, uh, the wealth and the uh, uh, the political power, within the structure of Tiger's gated community, I think they were strongly urged by uh, by people above the police force in Orlando, just, guys, leave this one alone. I think it was a combination of political leverage, just like you described, and the PGA Tour, which has its headquarters in Florida, exactly. which is one of the biggest industries in Florida. And if you're the chief of the state police and the governor or some senators or some representatives are hearing from the PGA Tour. PGA Tour knows how to throw its weight around. I've, I've encountered them a couple of times. They knew what to do to pre- protect their meal ticket, uh, Tiger Woods. You know, you bring up a valid point. Everybody sees the PGA Tour as being this this happy-go-lucky lollipop through oh. life. You deal, you deal with the Professional Golfers Association. You are dealing with Attila the Hunt. No, they are very difficult. Um, they want things to go their way. I've, I was reporting on two or three things I can think of when they would be on my editors trying to bend us in a certain direction. They, they, they are real scrappers. There's no question about it. And in, they're not as tough as the NFL, but they're tough. They, they know how to use their leverage. He is Lester Munson. I'm Chet Kopic. Thank you for joining us here on Sports Court. Enjoy it, and we'll talk to you in uh, seven days. So long, everybody.